0: Oh, hi there. Hello. Hey now. Hola. And ba weep, grana weep, nini bong. However, you want to say it, welcome to that Kev
1: One show.
0: Well, friends, my next guest is not just an actress and writer, but also a former associate producer at TV Guide, a former professor at New York Film Academy who not only has survived in LA, but thrived, and if you're lucky enough, she could be your teacher. Please welcome, fresh from the front lines of the historic WGA SAG After Strike, screenwriter Lindsay Stidham. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I
2: had to think really hard about that TV guy thing for a second, I was like, have I ever worked
0: there? And I was like, I have. I have worked there. It was a time ago. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, I saw that credit, so I was like, okay, I'm writing this one down. So, yeah, it's, um, that's interesting. Like, uh, what did you do there?
2: I literally just filled in for a friend who was a producer. I, <sighs> had, like, I just filled in for him for like two weeks, but that's like the only time I've ever worked at TV Guide.
0: Oh. <laughs> what does that entail? Is it like, do you, you didn't by chance, like, do what I always kind of wanted to do as like a teenager, and, and to this day, almost like, where you write the description of a movie or show? No? Or what you do um, exactly? It was
2: show like a home improvement show or something and I was pretty much just logging footage so it was not super (laughs) exciting but I did work on a show in the field that was really fun a reality show that was on TV Guide so maybe that's why when you google me some of that comes up I guess I don't know (laughs) well since the historic
0: since the historic strikes over that you were a huge part of uh, fighting for like um you can talk about that show what was that reality show
2: it was called the Tequila Sisters, but not hmm. Tequila Tequila. Okay, I was gonna say it, like, it sounds some,
0: familiar, but I might be thinking of her.
2: <laughs> yes, it was some other sisters, and it was hmm. about their relationship and their family, and um, yeah, it was it was really interesting because they were super game to say lines, which you know I'm a big advocate for. Maybe at some point in time reality writers because there's so much writing in reality to yeah. maybe be to join the guild that would be incredible yeah,
0: yeah in fact touching on that i remember when i lived in la um there was a i don't know if it was a right there was a brief writer's strike or if it was just a, a writer friend who had a shirt from the previous strike but um he gave me one of the shirts and like i remember i still have it here and there and i wear it on laundry days but it says something like um has a list of all these shows and entities that you wouldn't believe. A lot of the laymen, the people out there who weren't as familiar, wouldn't believe are actually written. Like reality shows, um, totally. yeah, totally.
2: which is just so <laughs> wild, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you now?
0: Right now I'm in Portland, Oregon. That's where this is at, Quarter. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, when did you leave? When
2: did you leave LA?
0: Ooh, let's see. Is it uh, like six years ago, maybe? okay okay got it yeah. Do you ever want
2: to come back or
0: you're you're done <laughs> hmm i mean i'll def- I definitely go back up there for like stuff for filming stuff i did like an indie there i think the most recent time i was in la for well for anything i think i was what i did um you bet your life with jay leno that uh, game show oh, cool. yeah cool
2: cool <laughs> yeah. cool very cool <laughs> Well, I know people fall in love with Portland and don't leave, so I do respect that.
0: <laughs> you know, one thing that's funny is, like, when I first, because Born and Raised here, when I first went to L.A., um, and people were like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, Portland, Oregon, the best city on earth, ha-ha, <laughs> you know. And they'd be like, Portland, Maine? Portland, where? And I was like, Portland, Oregon, guys, what the hell? And I was even mad when I heard that um, Pasadena was called, like, the city of roses. I'm like, uh, we grow roses in Portland. It's not, like, all Sunday. <laughs> But when I was coming back here, when I was moving back to Portland, and I was still in LA, you know, packing and stuff, or whatever, and then people said, you know, oh, Portland, I brought it up, you know, people always, by and large, the same number, if not more, were all um, on the opposite end of the spectrum saying, oh, I always wanted to go to Portland, I love Portland, Portland, Oregon, Portlandia, you know, voodoo donut, and all that, it's like, huh, so...
2: Oh, yeah, Portland yeah. is a thing, and I feel like you guys yeah. have, a decent in- you have a decent indie movie scene as well. Oh, so.
0: yeah, I've been, like, more busy here than I was there, but, of course, you can probably attest to this, at least to some degree, <laughs> how expensive it is there, like, some, and especially moving there um, from somewhere else, like, it was, like, it was just so hard to survive financially, you know what I mean? Like, you weren't, like, really doing too much socially, and, you know, it was just, like, you know, paying to survive there, so...
2: When yeah, LA is very expensive me. for mm-hmm. sure, and it's changed a lot, but I've heard the same about Portland. i heard Portland is very
0: expensive now. Oh, yeah, now, yeah, that's the yeah. important part. Yeah, like before it was so cheap. I mean, it was just like, oh, and now it's like, whoa, it's like, I feel like I'm paying maybe, nah, not as much, <laughs> but almost as much as I was paying for my Burbank apartment across from Warner Brothers there here now, which is like unbelievable to me. It's like, what? but. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is still Portland. I mean like it's changed a lot like people a lot of people have said and like but you might leave some huge venue where like big people are playing and like oh I parked across the street. It's not like the valets and everything in LA and everything. So it's still different but yeah it's the lines are a little more blurred for sure. <laughs> I'd say.
2: Yeah Totally. totally. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, found your way back, but it sounds like you're
0: also finding your way back here a lot, so that's good. Yeah, <laughs> okay. trying, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny, like, when I first came back, I was like, all right, I'll, like, you know, get back on my feet. We will work on some screenplays. And then at the time, there was, like, tons of stuff filming. Like, I played a killer on um, Cold Case Files that filmed an episode here. and But there's always at least two things filming It felt like. Like, there was a Portlandia, and then that bled into the same team um, documentary now. And there was like a show, librarians, and there was always like a movie or something. But now it's like, uh, now it's like, Indieville, It feels like on average. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure one, well, sure two things will trickle back because L.A. needs better tax incentives. So it's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. tough to film here. It's very expensive to film here right now, which mm. is uh, you know weird because we're supposed to be the mecca. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, still the crown jewel of filming, but like, yeah, no, I I remember that there, huh? Like everything was set I remember when I did that true crime show on um a Cold Case Files. I mean, I was here in town for like the holidays. It must have been, but I was literally um still living in L.A. I want to say, and I remember I was using Casting Frontier, which if any viewers don't know, it's like a casting website, you know, and like so I was submitting this stuff in L.A. Blah, 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 for when I was going to be in there and the again, and um like in a week or two weeks or whatever. And Cold Case Files was. Said filming in Portland, Oregon, must be willing to travel there. So, I'm part of my message was, I'm from Portland, I'm here right now. (laughs) So, it's funny doing like a Skype interview then, and that was before you know, well, Skype was a thing, obviously, before Skype blew up in everyone's lives with uh, COVID and everything.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, speaking (laughs) of you though, the guest, are you uh, filming anything now or got anything in the pipeline? Yeah,
2: I, I am definitely going to shoot a short film early next year. The mm. goal is to shoot it in February as a mm. proof of concept for a feature. Awesome. It's called Sunset, and oh. it is very L.A. It's about a couple who agree to walk the length of Sunset Boulevard to save their relationship. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, rom-com slash love letter to L.A. slash slightly anti-rom-com as well. And I'm really looking forward to filming the oh.
1: short version.
2: Version soon, and then work on raising money for the feature, and then always writing, of course, like writing a lot of stuff. But yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, very cool. How far how far along are you with um the whole production of Sunset? Like, um, is it like all written the first
2: part and casted, or or what? Yes, I wrote I wrote it for Eric Edelstein and Ashley Race billers I wrote the feature for them because um, I love both of them, and they're both. Huge muses for me. I think they're both so talented, and they've always wanted to work together, and they never have. Um, So it felt like a no-brainer to write for them to do something together. And there is already both a short script and a feature script, and um, I feel like I just kind of nailed the short. Uh, Hmm. for me sometimes shorts are harder than the (laughs) future shorts can be really hard because you have so much to get done in such a short amount of time Hmm. and do you go cliffhanger or do you try to tell a three-act story and there's so many so many questions of trying to master the short form um for sure but yeah they are both in really good shape and we are now just trying to see if we can get it done for three grand, which is the amount of money we have set aside to, to make the short for. So um, that's like uh, that's like the trick, but we, I think are going to make it happen and just submitted it for a bunch of grants as well. It'd be incredible to have those. So we would have like a little more padding to make it, but we will see like come hell or high water. I'm, I'm really wanting to be shooting that in February. Um, yeah
0: <laughs> oh very yeah, well yeah I'm sure you're gonna do it yeah I was talking with um last week's guest that's uh premiering Friday but uh Fred uh, Melamed about like just like the the um the lore of filmmaking and like like he was talking especially when he's working with the Coens and stuff and like and, and you can attest anyone if i film can attest, from extras to feature people uh more featured above the line people um just like it's like literally like the moniker of the show must go on. It's just like just getting it done. Like it almost seems like everything's impossible from like a short 40 hour film festival thing to like a big Tarantino film.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think like part of the trick is like mentally being like, okay, we're doing it in mm -hmm. February. Like now we at least know we've got like a little money set aside and that that is going to be our do or die to like make it happen, whether we end up with more money or not. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that I think it really helps mentally to be like yeah. this is when I'm gonna do it and now starts to feel like it makes sense and, and
0: all that good stuff. Yeah, well I'm sending positive vibes, I know you're gonna do it. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank,
2: you. Thank um,
0: you. Without spoilers or anything, is the um, script like um, is it like not too like like it shouldn't be like a big like like a money pit or anything, right? It doesn't sound like it's like you probably could do it on the cheap if you if you had to.
2: Yeah, the goal is actually um, to shoot it on the iPhone 14 Pro mm. Max, which I actually won that phone this summer in another short film contest. Wow. I little, yeah, I made a little uh, horror short on it, and was just like so impressed with what it can do that um, I was like, okay, I've been wanting to make, I've been wanting to direct a feature forever. I still haven't cracked doing it, but. I was like, okay, I'm going to make a feature on this phone because it's, it's incredible. It's kind of mind blowing everything that it can do. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I have a DP lined up who is like very shooting on the phone and then actually instantly bought one for himself after we made the short, um, because he enjoyed working on it so much. DP Scott Yulfelder, who's very talented, I've mm-hmm. worked with on a whole lot of projects and, um, so it was really invigorating to shoot that. Literally, we wrapped the day before the actors went on strike, which wow. was very lucky because yeah. I did have a wonderful SAG actor star in that short named Sebass Russell, mm-hmm. and the short is called Dream Skin Mask. It's it's not on the internet yet, but I hope that it will be soon. We we did do like around the festival submissions, and so we're kind of waiting to see um, what happens with those before we put it up live on the internet, but it was just a blast to do it, we did it in two days, we spent $500, and we shot on the phone, and we were like, it's time to just make a feature happen, so, Sunset will be shot on the iPhone.
0: Oh my god, that's incredible, so it's almost like a secret, it's almost like, um, it almost sounds somewhat like the Cornholio series from, um, Simon Pegg and all them, where they made those films together, they were, like, linked, but not really related story-wise, so... The second in your iPhone series, kind of, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a way, really- tech wise, <laughs> you know, tech wise. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring up Dream, Dream Skin Mask because I saw that and, like, I, I, I mean, I feel like not a lot is publicly known about it, uh, production wise, but, like, I was kind of blown away by the poster, like which is just like um, looks like packaging oh, for a beauty you. skin well, mask. I myself, so thank oh, you yeah, could it. is like it looks so much like a beauty skin mask product, like placement that I thought it was like an ad and not like part of your credits <laughs> when I was looking. It was like, <laughs> yeah, me it's up. a great, it's a
2: great script that I worked on um, with. Natalie uh, Higgs and met on the internet and she Ooh. found me when she moved to LA and was like I just
0: want to know more female screenwriters and oh, we met awesome. and then-
2: yeah, and yeah. then she eventually posted on Twitter that she'd written a short and she was like, does anybody want to direct it? And I was like, hey, I know this contest going down right now. We should just enter it and see what happens. And then we won one of the phones um, to make it. So, and 500 bucks to make it from this Whoa. site called Decentralized Pictures. So many mm. thanks to them for making us, um, you know, like get off our butts and actually make yeah. the short was and it was a blast and so the short is about a woman who um also enters a contest <laughs> a beauty contest and she's a struggling actress and she enters a contest to win like a tiktok style uh, challenge and if you win you get this mask that'll just like make you look younger and better and this and that and all the things Ooh. that the very scary tiktok ads promise mm-hmm. and she then <laughs> the mask definitely changes her life
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. is that available to watch or stream now or just soon or
2: that's the one that we we just did like a round of festivals so as soon as we kind of see what happens and mm-hmm. if we get into any air we don't we'll eventually put it up online for sure mm, but cool yeah just keep in the beat to see if we get into any of those wow
0: yeah oh that is awesome
2: <laughs> yeah it's super fun so keep all if anybody wants to follow my socials just my name Lindsay nails to them and i will definitely i definitely post about everything i'm working on so okay. um, a good way to keep up with how to see things as they slowly but surely
1: get out in the world.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh yeah, so yeah. which which one of those is like more of your like official to the public check you out site? Would you say like Insta or just,
2: yeah, I definitely just, use Instagram the most. I still, mm-hmm. I still tweet a lot, or Z, or however, mm. whatever we're calling this platform. Yeah, no, I I still, We want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still am using Elon's platform for better or worse. So mm. uh, probably both Instagram and and Twitter, which I mm. I guess you go to Twitter and it's still called Twitter. Yeah, like
0: I think someone. <laughs> I feel like you told me that there's a way to ha- not. It's like not really hacking, like editing it, where like you can just make it called Twitter still. I know it's. I guess it's. A, I feel like, I mean, a, you know, I wouldn't bet a million dollars, but I feel like it's called X officially, but you could alter the settings to make it just say Twitter on your thing. I feel like that's what's going on with it <laughs> this week. Hmm. Yeah. So
2: I'm on, I'm, I'm on both of those and it's just my name, Lindsay else to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, also,
0: you also wrote douchebag, which won multiple awards. Speaking of your awards, what can you tell us about, uh, that film?
2: I did, that was a long time ago now, but it definitely, <laughs> it definitely helped start my career. I made, I actually made three movies with director Drake Duremus, who mm. directed Douchebag, um, one of which costs like $40 on Amazon to buy, which is crazy, wow. so it's called Moody Pie, and that one, uh, is for some reason, is ridiculously expensive to buy a, a DVD of it on Amazon, which is just wild, but, um, huh. but I- I would say Douchebag probably was maybe our most successful. went to Sundance, and um, it, it was like the mumblecore era of filmmaking, so that's another movie we made completely on a shoestring. Our shooting budget was $20,000, and then mm. our post budget was about $20,000. So mm. the whole movie it really only cost about $40,000, which mm. is crazy. And um, that's and the magic Italian... number, I guess,
0: because like 40000 and now you can buy it for $40, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: it's a different one you can buy for $40. I don't even think you can buy a douchebag, unfortunately. Oh, I don't think no. it's... Yeah, mm. I don't think it's out there as far as I know, mm. not right now. But every once in a while, douchebag comes back around on streaming platforms, so maybe, yeah. maybe it will again. Who knows? But um, but yeah, we shot. Uh, it was like the beginning of the digital revolution, so we shot on HD cameras. Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. it yeah.
2: looks like not great. Like the i like now that like the iPhone is in your pocket, that this is this crazy camera, and it can act like. It can kind of, like, mimic so many other cameras. It's just wild to me that we made it on a very heavy HD camera. Um, but similarly, like, we didn't really have any lights and like, any scenes. It's, like, all natural light. It's, like, improv. It's run and gun. No permit. very, um, you know, very true to the Mumblecore genre in that way. And then also true to the mumblecore genre it is a mainly improvised film so um oh cool every every single scene in the movie had jumping off dialogue and had kind of like a scene objective we knew like what we wanted to achieve in each scene and we had about a 50 page outline so we really knew what the story was but Mm. um
0: how how we got there was up to the artists wow
2: Yeah, but when you improvise a movie, my biggest piece of advice is to budget in reshoots because we did go back and reshoot two more times because improvising a movie, you just, even with the 50-page outline, you just end up being like, oh, I I do need more story. I need more story, more explanation or um, what have you to truly make it work. But because of that, I think the two performances by Ben York Jones and Andrew Dickler are – just really good. They're very naturalistic and you never for a moment feel like these guys are acting. So mm. I think that's where the magic was in that movie for sure.
0: <laughs> oh wow. High praise to them. Wow.
2: Yes. Yeah, they're excellent. They're excellent in it. The story is about two brothers who are estranged who come back together when the older brother is getting married and they go on a quest to find the younger brothers. Um, like kindergarten to fifth grade girlfriend and they go on a quest to find her in time for the wedding. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It is so crazy how technology just changed and stuff. I remember like a long time ago when, um, I don't remember if it was just a quote I read somewhere or if it was at an Oscar speech or something, but where Quentin Tarantino was talking about just making your film no matter what, you know what I mean? They're, they're just make your movie, just make it, you know, kind of deal. I'm like, and now it's, like, easier than ever. I mean, I think when I heard that, I was like, oh, maybe I should get a, you know, 4K camera or, you know, <laughs> you know, get some sort of camcorder. And, like, and now it's like you're saying with, like, an iPhone, it's, like, wild. It can do everything, you know. And even an expensive Android phone could probably do it. And it's just so wild. Like, it's like Doc Brown said in 1955 when he saw, like, a Sony camcorder. A, you know, portable television studio. It's just, it's kind of wild. It's like, <laughs>
2: that the new iPhone there's um, there's one version that has one terabyte of storage which is crazy oh. um, it does shoot in 4k so it's truly, really, you know they've always iPhone I feel like always has wanted to be the forefront of cameras and mm. with this new phone they have absolutely made themselves that i feel like they're almost in, in well they literally are we won this iphone because iphone sponsored the contest mm-hmm. and they were inviting filmmakers to try out this new phone particularly to shoot to shoot content so um mm. they i i do think that's their goal and um i would imagine we won't be the only ones who are about to shoot a movie on the on this newer iphone because it's um it is pretty mind-boggling what you can do with it, especially when you buy an app that allows you to kind of, like, hack the phone and truly control it, um, hmm. truly control it like a camera,
1: so.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I yeah. remember, like, going to the movies, uh, was definitely before the strike, is before COVID, I'm pretty sure, um, I went to the movies, and I remember, like, one of their, you know, kind of ads or commercials before it was, or one of the things they, one of the bumpers or whatever, mind you, they showed before it was, um, the winners of some film contest made from iPhone or something like that. it was like this, this film, the one whatever award, and it was brought to you by, and it was you know set in a movie theater or something like that. Was the theme of it too? But yeah, it's huh, it's so wild.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's very cool that that you know Apple and iPhone, I I do think really want to support filmmakers and anybody out there who is. You know, trying to guerrilla it or trying to do something on a lower budget, I I would encourage to try to seek out their support. That's definitely what we're going to do to see if we can get some more support. Mm-hmm. We um, we ideally want to shoot on two phones, like we'll just be able to move faster, and um, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But um, I. I love
1: being a spokesperson for their
2: product. so hmm. Apple or iPhone, who's <laughs> <laughs> so her make, up, like, yeah. Give me, a call, give me a call. I would love one more phone, and we're
1: going to go out <laughs>
0: there and make a great movie, so yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, wild. You know, it's funny, like, ironically enough, like, like, all the, like, independent films and stuff I've done out here lately, like, everyone has, like, you know, the boom mics and, like, camera cameras, you know, so to speak. I can't, well, yeah, camera cameras and Red K or whatever, you know. And it's just funny it's funny if i like, go to la and like everyone's just using phones like and like yeah i know this is a real hbo production or max now or whatever you know like oh but it's with a phone okay you know so a phone in like yeah, a, one I, of those stabilizer cages or something Soderberg, oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Soderbergh has now made three movies
2: on on the iphone he's a huge proponent of them and i believe one wow. of those was for hbo he he loves it so um oh, wow. people, are, people yeah. are doing it for sure huh. i don't I don't think you can tell everybody on it. and I don't think it's right for every project either. I think um, it is a particular look and it lends itself well to certain projects and maybe less well to other projects,
0: but yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm sure. pondering the right resolution, that from the exact, especially from the exact iPhone you're talking about, but like there's sometimes you see films and it's almost like it almost seems too good in a weird way, like almost more real than reality in a weird way, you know, like like is this a film or a reality show like oh it's a film you know you're watching it. it's just like huh
2: totally Man. yeah i mean you can't beat film only one thing looks like film still and that's film hmm. um even though i think we're getting damn close with uh it filters right
1: we probably could yeah. you can do also yeah. when
2: you're thing like and yeah there's there's ways to get it to look pretty damn close but um you know, I'm a film nerd, so I still love seeing movies shot on film, of course. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. That is crazy. Huh. Well, huh. And so, do you think you your uh, iPhone up for life? I mean, before you get officially sponsored by them and have to be, <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> or do you think you're uh, bouncing back from like using film, film, and using the iPhone, or do you think you've fallen so in love with this tech that?
2: Well, I mean, I am young enough to say that I've never even had an opportunity to shoot on film. I Mm -hmm. I went to film school during the digital revolution, Mm -hmm. um, where our main resource was... HD cameras mm-hmm. um, that are much resolution, much lower resolution than what is available now, for sure. Mm. Um, we were, I mean, we were still making stuff on DV when I was in film school, but because I feel like I was born into this era of the beginning of the digital revolution, I ju- and also because film is unbelievably expensive, and if you want to make something, um, you're going to be, you know, you, you, your budget is probably going to go elsewhere to be able to pay people to be on your set as opposed to shoot on film, right? So, oh. um, I'd love to shoot on film. I'd love to make a studio movie, but um, right now the the plan in general is to kind of write for the studios and hopefully sell a couple for the studios, and then work my way up. Directing probably is going to take a couple non-studio films to let a studio have me direct something. Mm-hmm. So, in the meantime, I'm happy to shoot on whatever medium allows us to make the project yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, it's, it's kind of just a blessing that like there's so many avenues artists can use though tech wise you know it's not like like half a generation before us where people would have to like rent a camera or like you know oh you know fighting over the camera like at a college you know and stuff it's it's
1: wild
2: Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I mean, when I was in film school, same thing. Like we essentially had HD cameras that kind of looked like news cameras that, um, Mm -hmm. and there were only like, I think six of them for 150 of, of us trying to make movies. So, um, it's incredible that we all, Essentially, have this the tools to make a movie in our pocket
0: right now. I, I wonder how long. I mean, or if maybe it's already happened in a way. Until like, you know, someone's filming something, and then like, you know, back in the day, like you'd run out of film. So maybe even like, you know, you fly up in there where like you run out of battery power or something like that on a film, you know, a camera or what have you. And, so, and then like just some crew person or anyone, anyone have an iPhone or a phone at this, at least this level so we could finish the day? And it's like, wow, they stepped in and finished the rest of this Brad Pitt picture that day with this iPhone or that, you know, Android level, whatever, phone. It's just, huh.
2: That's incredible. a good point. You definitely need a solar charger with you if you're going to be out in the field because mm. the. Good tip. Uh We did notice that the new iPhone I uh Pro is um it, it eats battery really fast, and that's another reason to maybe have the backup phone as well. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another mm. reason why I would want that
0: second phone. Oh, like a phone, <laughs> like a phone that'll be maybe straight up just for filming. There's like no other apps on it, virtually or. That's it.
2: Actually, that's that i've kept the other phone exactly like that it's huh? not my phone i don't receive calls on it i'm literally keeping it pristine and keeping the hard drive clear so that i can go make this movie
0: so oh, okay. yeah isn't that wild? that's so crazy yeah <laughs> wow i just saw like um well recently i saw babylon did you ever see that um with Margot oh, robbie yeah. And yeah remember where the guy that like, goes to town and he's waiting half the day to get a camera to bring back in the dusty area to <laughs>
2: Yes, I loved every frame in that movie. I mean, I'm I'm about to make a movie about Los Angeles, so I loved every movie about Los Angeles and the business and um, getting to spot locations where they shot things. And Mm -hmm. um, I I don't, to be honest, I don't think our town gets glorified enough in film. So um, I always am so excited to see movies about L.A. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was gorgeous. I thought the movie was fantastic. I don't know why. People yeah, were not enamored as enamored with it as I was.
0: I I literally watched it. And I I want to say Prime somewhere. I watched it and like I'm like, did you know, watch it? I'm like, this should be at least decent with these people. And I, 'cause I know i didn't do well. I'm like, ah, you know, push play. I'm and like, and I'm watching. I'm like, what the hell? Like this is like a Best Picture level. This is like amazing. And let alone, it's like, kind of Oscar bait as well. You know, it's like a film about Hollywood. Like what the hell? This is be like. Most of the movies should be featured in your, the featurettes during the Oscars, just, you know, that celebrating films. It, it was really wild to me, yeah. Yeah, I thought,
2: I it, was agree. Just, I thought it was fantastic,
0: yeah. Hmm. hmm. Well, speaking yeah. of great films, one of your biggest films was Spooner, which you wrote, in, and it starred, what, Matthew Lillard, Shea Wiggum, Christopher McDonald. I mean, the list went on and on and on, including you. <laughs> you know. Yes, I have a very small cameo but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but like what was the set like with like all that vast talent on set especially with your yeah, film your, your baby so to speak right so uh
2: it was fantastic we we wrote that movie to a location that we knew we had we knew we had access to a car dealership so we mm. it was another one of those things where we we're like we gotta make a movie and um because we knew how to, we had a car dealership that's how, that's why the story of spooner centers around a car dealership because we had a free location so um the story of spooner is about a guy who's turning 40 who still lives at home with his mom and dad and he works at a car dealership and he is not a very good car salesman and he meets this girl in his very small town whose car breaks down who's played by Norris the lovely Norris the and uh and he falls for her and she's stuck there while they have to get a part for her car she has like a old Volvo um so it was just a movie again where we, we were like we have an old Volvo we have a car dealership mm-hmm. um and I. Uh, wrote that in much younger years where I think I had zero cynicism still and it's also just a very sweet romantic comedy and I think that that's what got the talent involved in that like there's a level of, of like purity to the romantic ness of it that I think appealed to people and and we I think caught Matt Lillard at a time where he was trying to play some other roles that he hadn't really gotten a chance to play. And it's not every day that he gets to be a romantic lead. And Mm -hmm. he's also, uh, just a fantastic, lovely person. And so that was a lovely place to be. It was, it was definitely (sighs) hard because it was like 12, 13, 14 hour days, shot the movie in 18 days, but also everybody's attitude was fantastic.
0: Oh, awesome. Oh, that's so special and great.
2: So yeah, nervous. it was it was fun. I learned I I feel like that was my second film school. I made that hmm. movie right after I graduated and um it taught me a lot.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Huh. And now you're just getting back to working and everything too with I mean with like the historic WGA SAG After Strike ending like um like what a week ago from this uh when we were filming this broadcast. <laughs> but um and you were on the front lines picketing hardcore I saw a lot of your posts um is there like anything you know for those that aren't in the union or even LA based you know unable to even drive by and honk support is there anything that you wish the media reported or you know the general public knew about the strike that they might not know
2: well I I I would say the SAG strike is technically not over because the deal has not been oh. ratified. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Well, wow. Yeah, so the SAG actors have um, approximately three more weeks to study the deal. It does sound like it's going to pass. I know that overall they have probably the biggest historic gains of all the unions that um, hmm. were on strike and... Uh, The WGA paved the way, but the Mm -hmm. SAG after wages are greater, um, which is incredible, and that they, and incredible that I think that they did get the AI protections that they got, but there is definitely a large amount of hesitation on, still on the AI side, and Mm. I would say to me, even if you are not in the business at all, and you don't care about the business, I'd still invite people to try to read the SAG contracts because I think there's a lot of points that just need to be a larger conversation in protecting everyone's privacy as AI becomes more and more integrated into our lives. And I hope that um, the government is studying this deal and that they're starting to think about ramifications of the levels that we're letting AI into our lives because I think um, it does have possible dangerous consequences for everyone. So, I mean, yeah,
0: there's just so um, much dangerous stuff you can't even, like, we don't even know about You just see in a TikTok, like, I've seen, like, where, like, it seems like Jenna Ortega and Tom Cruise are, like, doing backflips and, you know, dancing, and, like, you would swear it's them except for, like, you know what they're doing, you know, and that this would be news or something. Totally. Like
2: Totally, yeah, totally. I, mean, and I think it just feels very scary that we're on the cusp of anyone being able to control their likeness and in any sense of the word that like okay, you post a photo on Instagram and then you, and you're a private person you're you never plan to be an actor. Mm-hmm. but then somehow some way some corporation liked your photo or the way you look or thought that you were like the perfect match for their brand and then you end up advertising something bizarre like i don't know tomato soup or something and you're you're in another country and then somebody sends it to you and they're like hey you're in this commercial and you're like i'm uh, that's absolutely not me oh (laughs) my god yeah yeah well hopefully the strike can um,
0: prevent that i mean wow yeah i mean yeah (laughs) it's just i mean like from wow i mean just like it's scary to ponder at all but you almost have to i mean from like being framed for murder or robberies to, like, imagine being, like, like a student in high school or middle school and being, like, you know, you're being framed for doing just stuff that's embarrassing and just, oh.
2: Yeah, I know. Oh, my God, yeah. Very wild, yeah. So I hope that, like, people are truly studying this agreement to start to be prepared for what's coming. Um, But simultaneously, I think that the... All my friends who are in SAG like have held so strong, and everybody does deserve to get back to work. And there are some historic things that they did get in this deal that mm-hmm. absolutely should be celebrated. And then
0: yeah. increased so wages, right? That I feel like are those locked okay. in the way? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. and
2: then some some AI protections and some ways yeah. to negotiate and protect yourself mm. if some things seem not correct mm-hmm. and then get gets help negotiate on your behalf so oh, all those things okay. are yeah yeah all those are great but simultaneously i feel like this is a great way to try to be prepared for the next time around in three hmm. years where the deal is up again, and we will have have
0: probably greater for AI ramifications then, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I thought the strike was over. Well, wow, it's crazy, but, like, so it sounds like you may have the answer or an answer, more of an answer, but, like, because I was confused when I was looking over what I thought was the strike being over, but, like, I knew the raises, but I wasn't exactly sure what they meant by, like, um. it was, like, uh, what do they call it? Like, informed consent and compensation, maybe, or something like that, like... Uh, for AI
2: yeah I'm not in mm. and I am just trying to keep up with my own reading as much as I can and read um you know some read Hollywood Reporter and read Justine Bateman but also not be 100% swayed just by one person's opinion and here's yeah. many people's as possible so hmm. i can't i can't speak exactly to what the informed consent language is in the deal right now but i just know that everybody needs to take their time and read the agreement and kind of mm-hmm. determine for themselves if now is the time to keep fighting for ai protections or if the time is three years from now when the deal's hmm. up again but yeah
0: <laughs> well i mean i knew it went on for a long time and like uh And I thought it was over, but I mean, but I, but I know it's like, we're playing chestnut checkers, you know, I mean, that's what we gotta be. And like, yes, I guess I'm glad they're still going over it. I thought it was over and I thought it was still wise that they took so long just to like, you know, make sure it was all groovy. Like, like I know one actor friend that I don't know if he wants to be named, but like he like, he was on like a lot of stuff, including like a a really well-known Netflix series that he had to get like a day job, like delivering packages and stuff. And I think he's still doing it to this day currently, you know, but like, So it's like a war we have to like make sure, you know, we're trading lightly and making sure that we make the right decisions because, yeah, I mean, like, oh, that's just crazy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all these decisions are to help protect this business to still be a business where you can make a living. And um, I just think everybody I know who was a captain and who was out Mm. there way more days than i was because i eventually had to go back to teaching so mm. um so i just thank everybody who has fought incredibly hard to make sure that at least for the next few years this is still a business where you can earn an okay living so yeah yeah i
0: mean a lot of people who are in hollywood or act at all like uh just want to say oh yeah hollywood oh they're rich must be nice and stuff but it's like well no people are really struggling and trying to make ends meet i mean like people like like one of the things we fought for, like, is, um, and I'm still not sure, you probably have more information on that, but, like, how the streaming financials works, it's just, it's just crazy that people would, would barely get, like, pennies on the dollar. Like, if you're watching Netflix and you have that streaming service just for Breaking Bad or Cobra Kai or what have you, that, like, people aren't getting that money back, you know, it's, like, kind of, it's so insane to me. Like, if, you're, if you just have Peacock or Hulu only to watch a certain show before you go to bed or a movie or you go to one you're like oh, i'm going to cancel it but then like, oh they have this new series i'll watch it before i go that people aren't like you know compensated correctly you know for keeping like yeah. these I mean, big tech poles companies and services that's afloat kid. you know
2: that's a huge win for both the wj and sag that mm. um there is now built-in language in both agreements oh, that okay. if you're working on a show that has made the I don't know if there's like a financial threshold or a viewership threshold and they're going to have to start releasing also viewership numbers which I think is another huge win they're going to have to release back in WGA so if you reach a threshold I believe of viewership then you are going to be you have new steps of built-in compensation to be rewarded for a successful show much like uh, residuals on network television so that was an absolute huge win for both uh, both unions and, um, a necessary one. So that is fantastic news.
0: (laughs) It's shocking that those numbers aren't just readily available. Wow. You know, the fact that they would even, yeah, it just seems like it should be an obvious thing to be able to check those, those ratings, so to speak. Huh?
2: Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. But now, now the numbers will be at the very least available to the unions. So it's very good news.
1: (laughs)
0: Oh, my tech uh, gave me a card earlier, like kind of right before we started. And I was so uh, hoping I get this wrong. But I was pleasantly surprised to learn that your love of tarot card reading and that it's connected to your work, your (laughs) your writing workshop. You did some deep
2: diving. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I read very casually. I was reading on some live streams for my friend Tommy Bechtold that I think we're maybe eventually going to get back to those live streams, but it was very fun, and a few people on the live streams told me I was right on my reads, which made me really proud, because I'm definitely like a casual hobbyist, but... Um, I did just design a course for this Scribble Community Space in Highland Park, Los Angeles, that if you want to come take it, this is the last course I'm teaching of the year, and I I don't have time to teach to the general public very often because I'm so busy with my college classes, so I'm really excited to be able to open this up to anybody who wants to come and it's also to help promote and build this lovely community space which has been built to give people a mental accessible a- access to mental health care and accessible access to community activities in Highland Park Los Angeles which is very exciting again it's called the Scribble Community but I did design this course to integrate tarot into some um, writing exercises and I'm really excited about it it so um I think it's like a fun out of the box way to brainstorm and to dig into character and world building and all that stuff um so it'll be a combo of stuff that I've learned from teaching screenwriting for many years as well as my um like nerdy digging into tarot so I can't wait and it starts the week after Thanksgiving and Um, I might eventually like record a course like this and offer it online, but for now it is only offered in Highland Park, LA, $15 a class, very accessible. So if there's anybody out there listening that is in Highland Park and wants to come join us, uh, for the last three weeks of the year before we dig into Christmas time and holiday time, come join us.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Oh, I love that. I'm sure you'll get a lot of hits on that for sure. Huh. Very cool. Well, Lindsay, I've taken enough of your time. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Of course. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for asking me. It was super fun to yeah. talk about some of old projects and a few new ones. So yeah. thanks for asking.
0: Yeah. If you ever need anyone from Portland with a vaudevillian mustache and Portland-era beard, that can be any era beard, really. All <laughs> of my way. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it'd be worth it coming to LA, but we are going to throw a house party for sunset where we need people to come dance and you'd be highly, you'd be highly visible in the short. So I'll keep you updated if you wanted yeah. to come take a little trip. Yeah. I'll see yeah.
0: my availability for sure. I'd be honored.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Thank I'm so glad to make a new internet friends and yeah. Thanksgiving. Get-
0: Oh, for sure. And as you said, as you noted with the the iPhone and all that, I feel like I should be getting money from that too now. Like, you know, text real. So, yeah. Our new friend, cool. Lindsay Stidham. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks again so much, Lindsay. Yeah,
2: for sure. Thanks, a, sure. thanks for asking. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Have a great <laughs> night. <laughs>
2: Yeah, let me know when you post it, and I'll be sure to post it around, too. And um, let me know when you come to L.A., and we'll get coffee.
0: Oh, I love it. Oh, I am super down. (laughs) You already know. Yeah,
2: and I'm I'm being serious. We we need a lot of people for this, like, little house party, and we're, like, genuinely going to throw a party. And there's a dance. If you're, like, down to learn a dance sequence, we already have a a choreographer lined up, so it's going to be really fun. (laughs)
0: I'm excited. Well, will hit me up for sure.
2: Yeah, I'll keep you updated for like when we book the actual shoot weekends, but it's going to be fun.
0: Oh, awesome. <laughs> now, yeah. now I'm getting cool. So <laughs> cool,
2: cool. Have a great evening and I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. You too. Night, Lindsay.
2: Bye.
0: And that was award-winning Lindsay Stidham. Look up her workshop, look up her work and look her up in the future, including welcome to the Clam bank which I found online, and I was cracking up last night, too. And well, folks, after a brief commercial, get ready for Best Picture Award-Winning Makeup Artist, DC Hit, on a full-size episode here, That Kev One Show. That Kev One Show is brought to you in part by T-Mobile, the Uncarrier. Well, friends, my next guest is a wizard of movie makeup effects and scene is believing. Check out his work online with Feet of Death, Born of Myth, and most recently, with the winner of Best Effects, Best Screenplay, and Best Picture at Gignolfest, hope I'm saying that right, for the film The Oregon Trail of Blood, please welcome makeup artist extraordinaire, DC Hit. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's it going today? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. It's great having a, an artist such as yourself such high regard on the show. I, a lot of people, if they look at your work, under uh, DC Hit... Uh, oh my lord, like, uh, the makeup effects are just astounding, uh, I saw you as Spike from Buffy, it was like, you know, TV accurate, I mean, like, you could have just walked on set.
1: Yeah, you know, Buffy is definitely one of the things, it's not the thing that got me into special effects, but hmm. it's definitely one of my secondary, like, Buffy just was always kind of a fun thing for me, so.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I grew up on Buffy, I totally, yeah, no, I totally concur on that. <laughs> so you see, yeah, you I'm were sure. Spike for Halloween, it looked like, right? Was that what I was seeing?
1: Yep, yep, that was for, uh, they set up uh, a bar over in Portland to make it look like the bronze from the TV show.
0: Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And, and he... so,
1: it, it, it was pretty great, although me and my girlfriend, we were the only uh, real Buffy costumes there. There were a couple other people, but I was the only Spike. She oh. went as Dark Willow.
0: <laughs> Whoa, okay, awesome, yeah, I saw her, oh. Yeah, I didn't know if she was Drew or, wow, it's kind of shocking that there were any other, uh, Buffy heads to that level, I mean it makes sense. They wouldn't be, you know, masterful effects and, and you know, as TV oh, actor yeah. as you well, were, I'm but the just
1: people that everyone wanted a picture with spike. Cause I was the only spike. So,
0: it was oh, a lot so you're the bell, You were the bell of the ball. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and as I said, your latest film was like, it won multiple awards, including best effects, which is all you, right? So what can you tell us about the effects you use and exactly what the premise of the Oregon trail of blood is?
1: a really fun uh film that i did with uh eric demarath and uh man vs. film uh, mm. yeah super fun uh it was basically uh people that had died on the oregon trail uh come back
0: to you know kind of exact their revenge to anybody anybody that found their grave i believe oh, and yeah. uh yeah, lots of fun like so
1: the dad is very zombie-esque uh the boy we did like a ripped off jaw kind of a look uh, there's a great blood effect where somebody gets it uh, in the neck with a nail on a board, and wow. uh, yeah, super fun.
0: <laughs> oh, that is incredible! Jeez. Yeah, um, my te- I did going all twice, and uh, uh, my team also won three awards, uh, including best picture. It was the thirteenth annual one. Yeah, it's like a trip, right? It was still it was at the Clinton this year as well, right? The Clinton Street
1: Theater. I believe so. Yep.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, um. So. And when you went like um, I didn't know when I went, and, and for those of you who don't know out there, um 'cause I talk to people all kinds of people like um it's a th- like a three day uh fest where you have to like get your film done with it pretty much within twenty hours because you get like a premise, a prop that has to be in it, so it really shows the metal of a team and everything. I was in such a hurry and so sleep deprived when I went that night that I didn't even know it was the night of the awards. Did you know were oh. we prepared for that that night or no?" <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I just knew it was premiering that night, so I was like, "What? What?" And, and like, yeah, so it was quite a trip.
1: <laughs> it's such a cool contest. Though. It really sharpens your tool, no matter what part of of the filmmaking process you are. Whenever you're working on a team, it really sharpens your mental tools. Just being, you know, having to do it in that time frame under those conditions, mm-hmm. uh, well, makes you a much better uh, whatever you do in that industry uh makes you a much better person at, at what you were doing
0: <laughs> yeah like i mean yeah like um last week's guest winnie mccallum who directed a fuzzy head that won at slam dance um bigger budget hollywood everything so to speak but we talked about how like war is film and like you never really get out of that when you're making movies like it's always kind of like you're always in a rush it's really not as glamorous as people think so I, I kind of feel like, and I'm sure you probably agree with this one, I'm guessing, you know, I'll, I'll ask you that, that, like, uh, these thirty, these 48-hour and 72-hour film festivals are really maybe the best training in a weird way to, to make any kind of film, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, because it forces you along, just because I've been yeah. on so many sets where uh, you have to do just so many takes, and you're not really, that doesn't feel like you're doing it for a particular reason. It's like, let's just do another one and do another one. Well, when there's no time, it's like, all right, we got two of them, that, that's good enough, we'll figure it out. Yeah, You know, just being you know, under that kind of stress, it just, yeah, may, it gives you a sharper eye, for sure, no matter what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. No, totally. Yeah, it's... Huh. Definitely the show must go on mentality. And before we move on from Gringo Fest, and I love Julia and uh, Dylan Hillerman, the hosts of it. Um. And I heard Uncle Erie was back this year. Is that right?
1: Well, I haven't seen him in a long time. <laughs> I, I remember him years ago being all all over
0: the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's kind of like um, what shape did the physical awards take this year because I remember the year that we went um, they were all unique like we had like a cauldron there was like a skull with a feather that I still have on my mantle were they like unique uh, shaped awards this year or were they plaques or oh, what uh, I didn't actually attend the, uh, oh, the awards I was hmm. working at the
1: home house uh, all month
0: <laughs> oh cool yeah it did happen yeah it's always, it's always in October okay hell yeah and that's um the scaregrounds. I just saw pictures of that online. That which is insanely impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah Oaks Park haunted house. They used to be out there at the Clark County fairgrounds. Then they moved into Oaks Park, and uh, yeah, they've been doing super good at Oaks Park. You know, just because you have all the
0: rides and the whole thing there, and then haunted house right there. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. Wow. What was the most, what were some of the most challenging aspects of like working in like even you know, like a public project like that? You know, with the uh... You know, different people and all that and like the just the different, right, different. Well,
1: it's always an aging cast. You have your diehards but you always mm-hmm. have new people coming in, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, people kinda of going out and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, just you know, uh, re establishing who do, does what, just figuring out the new hierarchy. <laughs> and yeah. then uh yeah, just working together to put on a great show.
0: I mean it was yeah, they were really impressive, uh, all the different face makeup and everything. I saw a werewolf and just like it looked like you were like it was like a living horror movie. Like it wasn't just some. Yeah, rude yeah kind of thing. it was a lot of
1: fun. You know, they had three haunts this last year. Generally they run about three haunts. Uh there's silver scream. We always do kind of a silver screen, all the movie monsters, you know, Freddy and uh Jason, you know, the nun, uh the things you kinda expect to see. Uh the complex, which is like mutants and zombies and stuff. Wow. And uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. <laughs> huh.
0: That's awesome. And so you, are you there all night, or do you just kind of set it up, and you're there for, like, half of it, oh, doing the makeup that's and that's after you touch ups?
1: Here. The last. So I sell, like, uh, movie posters and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like, old school, uh, you know, like, Army of Darkness, Big Trouble, Little China, all the greats. And so I sell movie posters and stuff, and so I was allowed to vend this year. So I did makeup, and then after, after I did makeup, I went and sold uh, classic horror movie
0: posters. <laughs> oh, wow. Very cool. Did you make a killing, or...?
1: Yeah, it turned out pretty time? good, you know, the haunted house is a great place for people that love that era of horror,
0: so. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially a horror convention, I guess, right? Kind of, in a way, yeah. <laughs> horror world, yeah. But it's always a fun time, and it's definitely one of the
1: best haunts I've ever worked for. I've pretty much worked, I've been doing makeup for about 20 years, and so i worked for pretty much every haunt in town. Uh, ones that are no longer here, and uh, some that are. But, uh, yeah, definitely. They're, like, one of the best groups I've ever worked for. Super above board. Great people. Yeah.
0: Man, I did one years ago. I'm trying to remember where it was. Come from Portland, Oregon. And, um, it was a corn maze. You probably didn't do that one, I don't think. Because the makeup wasn't, like, super top tier. It was good, but it wasn't, like, you know.
1: No, I don't think I've ever done a maze. I I used to do, like, uh, Screamland, uh, Scream at the Beach, uh, Oh, i've done
0: a, a year over at the fear um, yeah <laughs> never right. worked for fright town okay. i think that's the only one <laughs> very cool and you studied at uh tom savini's uh, special makeup and effects were you um were you, like practicing the kind of learning diy style before that or was the bulk of your training cool. from there
1: of all that is, uh, originally I kind of wanted to be a stuntman. I had done martial Ooh. arts for a long time, oh, and stunt cool. you know, work would be great. Yeah, uh, I did like twelve years of uh, about eight years of kung fu, and then the rest of it was karate.
0: Whoa! But, uh, are you what level? Of, what belt are you? Uh,
1: black belt in karate and brown sash wow. in uh, kung fu, but I don't train nearly as much as I probably should.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I'm a like I'm. I stopped studying officially at a yellow belt with taekwondo my parents love do. Like, oh. I mean, I still do like the stretches and everything to this day and I le- I remember everything I learned. And so, you know, you see stuff in movies and you watch Cobra Kai or whatever and like you kind of like, "Oh, yeah, you kind of include that in your your training yourself, you know." But um wow, you're an actual black belt. That's amazing. So, do you train a little bit? You said you don't train as much as you should, but do you train like
1: every day? Does that uh, probably a few times a month in all, honestly, and not very hmm. hard. <laughs> I am forty three, so. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> yeah, don't look at okay.
0: Yeah. So, does it does the does the karate and the and all that kind of stay with you on the daily, even though you don't study it? or oh. No. Yeah. Once sure. yeah. you spend,
1: uh, I forget exactly the thing. I know it's a psychological thing, but basically, once you've spent about ten thousand hours or five ish years doing something, mm-hmm. you it's locked in. You know, you you might, those skills might rust a little bit, but you'll never truly lose them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Another interesting fact. Wow. Huh. (laughs) You're also a former uh, state licensed caregiver. Did that inspire any of your art, be it through makeup or writing or no? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, not usually. I was basically just helping out my, my girlfriend, you know, take care of her mom and stuff so she could still be at home and stuff. And did that for about six years, but it was very nice because it was basically, it's it was hard being on call 24-7 because that's pretty much what me and my girl were hmm. on call 24-7. But yeah. uh, it afforded me basically a second income to help me pay for, like, makeup effects and, uh, you know, doing my, like, Born of Myth and things like that.
0: Okay. And that's your it's your current love too, the the dark willow, right? That you're, uh, is that wow? Is that where you guys met, or no?
1: Oh, uh, me and her, no, we met on uh, OKCupid, OK weirdly enough.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, uh, we've been together seven years.
0: Oh wow, congrats! It's a rarity nowadays, you know.
1: It, it really is. It really is. You know, we just both kind of like. We're, we're older and wiser now, and so all the small, petty things that a lot of other people seem to fight about tooth and nail, we just kind of like,
0: meh. <laughs> it's probably really great to like be with a partner that long, and the world just keeps, keeps changing so fast, faster, and faster that it, technology and everything, just the way people are socially and everything, it's, yeah, huh. You guys are probably probably stronger now than if you would have met now, I bet, you know? Been oh, say, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is she in the industry at all as well, or no? I mean, she appreciates the makeup, obviously, being Dork Willow. Uh, I think she looks for
1: the state, uh, hmm. doing the aging and disability, like uh, helping out older folks and hooking them up with care and stuff.
0: Okay, wow. Very admirable. That's awesome.
1: So, but it's kind of funny because her office, ipso facto, kind of her office, uh we have a three car garage, and so she kind of has one little corner, and then the rest of it is my shop. So when I'm making,
0: like, heads that blow apart and things oh. like that, she's, like, on her computer helping people. Oh, <laughs> my. <laughs> Saving lives while you're, like, destroying, like, people's physical bodies <laughs> f- fictionally, <laughs> my dear. <laughs> wow, that's insane. That's wild. Huh. Huh. Well, speaking of that, with like the blood wounds and the aging makeup, the vampire makeup we talked about and, and more, I mean, you're definitely like a creator of worlds, but since you work in the practical realm, I mean, there's like a limit, like with budget, you know, is there like any kind of idea or effect or project you had in mind or have in mind that you'd love to do if you had like unlimited resources? Oh, man, that, that is such a, a hard question, but a mm. good question. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I would love to do some animatronic stuff.
1: Oh, uh, so yes. right now, I have two two projects in the in the chamber. Uh, Born of Myth is kind of my opening thing. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, The Wolf and the Raven, which is basically about a very old werewolf and a, a, a prostitute, essentially, oh. joining forces. Uh, and I would love to do a practical, like, really good, like, animatronic werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I in principle know how to do the animatronics i just have never really had the budget or money to try it and so i would love to do something like that and make a really impressive practical werewolf yeah okay, yeah totally
0: is there a certain uh, movie i'm trying to rack my brain uh that did a really good animatronic werewolf uh
1: there's there's a couple of them uh actually strangely enough the howling uh, it Still really holds up as a great hmm. old 80s werewolf. Classic, movie. And it, yeah. It still honestly really holds up as a good animatronic werewolf. I believe there's also a movie called Bad Moon, and that's a pretty damn decent werewolf as well.
0: Like, I remember um, an American werewolf in London, and the effects being so amazing, but I just don't remember if it's animatronical. That was all practical effects, really, right? Yeah, Wasn't it? Like, maybe that
1: stuff like uh yeah. they i remember watching the behind the scenes on that it's so interesting like they built a whole fake floor so that way they could have his legs bend backwards like oh, you know like a dog's leg yeah
0: that's right i totally forgot that i saw stills of that or i might have saw the documentary yeah
1: super yeah. amazing that's a great special effects too by the way just like making a flake floor just to have like you know a torso crawling around or whatever you need to do the fake floor trick is a very good trick yeah
0: isn't that funny with such a big budget and like it seems like such a for lack of a better term, it's like a ghetto thing to do, but no, it's the best way. It's physical, you know, it's like, yeah.
1: Huh. Really, it, it <laughs> reminds me of a, a quick Savini story. Uh, hmm. So when you went to Savini school, uh, you got two days of orientation with Tom, which was really cool, just him telling you stories and just kind of loosely telling you about the industry and his experience. And uh, he brought in all kinds of props to share and just told us stories and stuff. And he told us a great story. Oh, man. Uh, so the original, uh, The Old Day of the Dead... Uh, the one where they're in the military installation. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where the captain, the bad guy captain, he gets drug out of an elevator by a bunch of zombies and gets ripped apart. Oh my God. What they had done is they built a fake floor, you know, mm-hmm. for this guy. And mm-hmm. so they had the zombies just essentially surround him and like rip his, his top half and lower half away from each other, you know, cause mm. he's just standing there in the floor. Yeah. Well, what they had done is they got all this pig guts and all these real guts and stuff, because at the time, that's, that's kind of what you did. Yeah. And so they put all this pig guts and all this stuff, and then they went and shot uh, somewhere else a few hours away for like a week, and then they came back. Well, no one had told them there was a power outage, and the fridge holding the guts was turned off. Um, yeah.
0: So the guts went rotten, like
1: bad rotten. <laughs> huh and so uh that's all they had to use though they didn't have time to get any other guts and they had to get this scene of this guy getting ripped apart it's and so, so if you watch man. the movie carefully you can see the
0: zombies throwing up and gagging because Shut up, the- really <laughs> the putrid pig guts wow <laughs> jeez, wow <laughs> i mean i know we just ended the uh the actor's strike but man those extras probably wanted to go on strike for that because that's wild Throw it oh, up- <laughs> Like, oh, it's, it's like, it's like there's a, a couple of shots like i've seen some still photos
1: wow. of them putting like an oxygen mask on the guy like in between scenes because like the, the the reek is so bad <laughs> wow
0: that's yeah i had no idea that's incredible <laughs> Jeez. That's, that, i love
1: that kind of stuff i love little set stories and, and things like
0: that. <laughs> yeah it's like war as hell i mean look at that it's like that's like uh Probably worse than anything uh, you or I've done on a forty-hour film festival. That's a giant budget film. Yeah. War. Yeah. Film is war. Jeez. <laughs> Man. Now, have you ever dealt with? I mean, nothing as gross as that. But like, um, with all your complex movie-making stuff, have you ever been, like been asked to do like a virtually impossible task, or what's like the, the most difficult thing to get done? Like maybe we're a director
1: or someone's. Nothing general mm-hmm. about being a makeup person is it's it's hard to really peg down what you do because people kind of loosely know okay you can fabricate stuff you can kind of do prosthetics you can kind of do blood like makeup person is a, a, a big umbrella term kind of mm-hmm. and so a lot of times i show up on set or when i'm talking to somebody about a movie film or project they kind of expect that i just have a magic box that i can just make
2: things happen yeah
1: <laughs> Uh, those things take time, and those things take money, and yeah. So, But over 20 years of kind of learning that lesson, I've gotten very good at uh, pulling things out of my butt at the last minute and <laughs> making it work. Huh. Huh. But yeah, there's like, uh, oh, actually just a couple months ago, a guy was like, so hey, I, I've got like a 100 bucks basically. Can I make like a whole body explode? Oh my god. Uh, really? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I mean, I could do a $100 version of that, but it's not going to look as good as the, you
0: know, $500 version. Yeah, what What's he? what he really wants. Yeah. Huh.
1: But that's all part of the thing of, of being a makeup person or being kind of the, the fabricator, you know, set guy is figuring those kind of things out, being a creative problem solver. You know, that's probably my favorite thing about the whole deal is just like, hey, we need this guy's head to come off in a certain way. And then I've got to like, you know, retro figure that out. Huh.
0: Yeah, I sat in a meeting once, oh, what project was it, um, where they wanted someone to, like, cry blood, and they're like, oh, yeah, so there could be, you could put something in his eye or for blood, right? And the guy was like, the makeup artist was like, well, no, no, we really, there's nothing we could put in his eye, except you know, that's serious. I can make it where there's something in the corner, and we could time it where, like, it comes down and looks like he's crying. You, you have to add something digitally to the inside of the eye, but, yeah, it's just funny what people just think that, you know, they imagine it, they think you just do it, you know. Well, no, that's a physical thing, it's, you know, this or that, but, wow. Huh. Or, or just little things too, you know, just uh,
1: oh, just stuff that people don't think about. It's like, oh, hey, we have this demon and they they have to wear these contacts. Well, then you have a person that's never worn contacts, doesn't wear glasses, and has never had a contact squished into their eye. Mm. And so then for the first time you're putting contacts in somebody and that's not going to go well. So just, just a lot of little things. <laughs> yeah.
0: Huh. What, what happened with the, uh, the blood, the body explosion, uh, moment? Did you just turn that roll down or you just couldn't do it? Or was it, what was the, uh, and, the ended of up just evolving
1: like so many things do. Mm. I get a lot of offers. I, I talked to a lot of people about stuff and only about 50% actually materialize into anything. A lot of them are just kind of people sort of testing the waters or seeing how, how much something would cost or, you know, maybe measuring me against somebody else as far as like how much I would charge.
0: Huh. You're kind of like a – not that they're not creative, but you're kind of like a creative uh, contractor in a way because all these people probably want to envision like, you know, like, oh, get, I want a hot tub. You can just build it, right? Then I'll pay you and, you know, you you can just pull a deck out of your ass, right? Like, no, you know, I need money for this, these yeah, blood I, pumps, I,
1: this, yeah, whatever, yeah. what have you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh.
1: But what? that's the fun of working on budgets and, you know, mm-hmm. it forces you to be creative. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Huh. What What are your next projects coming? Out? Anything cool in the in the pipeline?
1: Uh, well, actually, I'm finally on a break because I had, oh. boy, I had Feet of Death recently, mm-hmm. and then during the Halloween season, I did the 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 Guggenau fest, and uh, the Halloween season basically uh, four days of each week all of October, I was working like 15 or 16 hour days.
0: Oh my so, gosh.
1: Jeez. i'm on a little bit of a break for a while <laughs>
0: so the so the wga and sag after strike didn't affect you at all right you were uh kind of survived that bubble around it
1: hugely yeah just because you know the october season's kind of my earning season yeah. usually i do a couple people's like custom makeups and things like that but hmm. i really uh advertise this year but usually i get a couple of just random asks <laughs> huh
0: And uh, you talked about Born of Myth. That's one that you wrote and created yourself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's like yeah, the first script. I've been I, – I love writing. Uh, I wrote in college when I first went to college in my 20s just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so I've always just kind of written and I always write and I just – I've never had the thought to really create anything. I'm always kind of uh, – I wouldn't say financially strapped but always just trying to kind of just make bills, get by, that kind of a thing. Uh, I really want to take some time and start making the things that I've been writing. So uh, I wrote that about three years ago, actually. Oh. And so it's kind of evolved a bit since then. And then uh, we produced kind of a proof of concept, a uh, 15-minute short. And uh, I have two other episodes planned after that. Ooh, okay.
0: So you envision um, – so Born of Myth should be – you envision it as like a full series or multi-season show? Yeah, i to do a, a,
1: a three-episode arc mm-hmm. and then just – see see where the ground lays cuz uh i, I talked to my friends i have two friends that are uh, w- one was the director and he's kind of a co-producer and i have another co-producer and uh, we're all kind of trying to come together on this and uh going to shop it around to a couple festivals uh you know locally and and further Ooh. and then uh, yeah just try to see what we can do with it and i would love to see it as an episodic but i could totally do it as a feature hmm.
0: very cool cool so you, you know, have options yeah <laughs>
1: my love of buffy our love of buffy mm-hmm. and uh, it's very much set up as an episodic kind of uh not necessarily a monster of the week but uh very close in structure and formula mm.
0: yeah we kind of live in a magical time now with uh, streaming and everything where like you can kind of write the stories that you want you know what i mean like like and
1: there's a... so many niches now there's yeah. like niche for everything you know like just crazy how much content there is uh, I, I end up watching a lot of the recap videos mm-hmm. just because like they really don't have time to watch all the dang shows you know like the little uh, recaps where it's like you know whole season in, in 27 minutes
0: oh, like, oh you watch that instead of the actual thing like
1: you don't watch yeah, that no, wow no, i hear you i mean
0: i understand the logic but wow it's pretty wild still huh
1: like <laughs> uh, for uh, Gen V or whatever, because I watched like the first three episodes, and then I've just been busy and everything else. Oh, and... I hear
0: you. Yeah, I saw that. It's it was good. Is uh, I I mean, my vote is it holds up. So uh, if you have time to watch it all or all the all the recaps, I guess it. uh Yeah, there weren't that many episodes. I want to say uh, maybe eight episodes or the season's wrapped though. And I know I got approved for another season, so mm-hmm. you have more to look forward to.
1: Been waiting for the boys forever. Like, yeah, oh, when does yeah, that come yeah, out? Is
0: it next boys, month or this later this month? Or
1: I'm not sure.
0: Hmm. They
1: pushed it back so many dang times.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, no spoilers, but uh, yeah, you should be really excited for it after uh, Gen V. Or wait, are you caught up information wise? I guess I'll say with Gen V. Okay. Or yeah. yep. Oh okay. See. So, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I guess I won't spoil it for the viewers either, since even though oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I uh, listen to uh, my podcasts and things like that uh, at work, so I, I, I listen to the recaps at work just to kind of, like, catch up on everything.
0: Yeah, Speaking of niches, like, I've almost toyed with doing, like, some, um, what do you call them, reaction videos to episodic shows or something like that, but I, I was thinking, like, what show, because I watch a couple of those, too. Like, I watch the Smallville recap podcast with uh, Tom Wiley and Michael Rosenbaum and... I was like, "Wow, what show?" And I was thinking of a couple of niche, niche like sci-fi shows from like my childhood that no one's done. I'm like, "Man, maybe," but I gotta look up the rules of. It. I think like you can have like what thirty minutes of like footage from the show as long as you're recapping it or something. Or
1: oh yeah, absolutely Just
0: something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you ever watch that oh, show uh, yeah. Viper? I, I, that show Viper, I want to do a recap show of.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Do You remember uh, my, my thing is uh, remember Captain Power?
0: Yeah, I had the toys. I had a couple of the toys. Yeah.
1: Man,
0: how crazy power not power extreme that was centurions but um power no did he say power extreme he said something similar to that when he powered up when he I to
1: remember. remember his suit i had all the the toys and stuff yeah, and the I had like, visor
0: and there was the flying shooting. man yeah. and <laughs> uh was it uh, what was the villain something dread right Lord yeah they
1: had like four mm-hmm. of them you're trying to fight some guy from the future or something like that yeah. uh i just remember having like the four video set i'm not sure if they made any more though
0: <laughs> i'm totally gonna look that up later like i might watch it all on youtube or wherever i can find it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it
1: was the golden age of weird stuff i
0: like, mean i really you know, am, like, am curious to see if anyone famous came from it you know what i mean or if they all like oh you know if i'm like oh wow this was that guy you know something <laughs> oh
1: I remember feeling so cheated, though, when you find out, like, shooting your little laser at the TV wasn't actually doing anything.
0: Oh, well, yeah, it makes sense that it wouldn't. Huh? Yeah, I am. was about to say it didn't. Oh, my God, yeah, duh, of course not. You yeah, have the VHS tape, right, that we had? For oh,
1: that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like finding out Santa's not real. It's oh, like, what?
0: my God, that's funny. Because <laughs> I, uh, I never had that. I had Captain Power, the figure. I don't think I had the – I might. I had the flying guy. I had most of them, I feel like, but I didn't have the, the VHS thing set up for it. So, it just was like a playthrough, I guess, obviously? and
1: Yeah, pretty much. Wow. You know, it's really like watching an episode of a show, but then there's like a couple little snippets that made you feel like you were in the show. Yeah. And then there's a little light uh, on the thing that you know, would cast a little light, and you're thinking, oh, okay, hey, I'm, I'm doing something here.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> and as it says, like the instructions say, like, fire now, and you're, you you know, gives you enough time that you easily could obviously fire, so it thinks, like, think, like, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm totally going to go down the rabbit hole of that now. I hope hope we're not boring a lot of our viewers, but... Right. (laughs) I know a lot of my fans are super geeks, though, so they're probably like, "Mm, actually... (laughs) (laughs) Man. That is amazing. (laughs) Well, to see you have uh, taken enough of your time, probably, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I definitely hope to work with you in the future, for sure.
1: Absolutely. You know, great talking about the stuff I love to do. You know, it's a rare opportunity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Thanks again, man. Everyone, check out his stuff, including Born of Myth and more. Thanks, Matt. Hey, thank you. Such a treat. Well, special thanks to my guests Lindsey Stidham and DC Hit. Catch us all new next week for an episode that's definitely a destination episode with Hollywood icon Richard Really. Yes, that Richard Really. All right, guys, enjoy the view, but also whoa, watch the road. Good night. This portion of that Kev One show is supported by Bohemian Dream Gifts, made with organic and natural oils that nourish and hydrate your skin. Man, I don't know if it's the weather outside or the gym that was killing my skin, because my right elbow on the, uh, it itched like the Dickens, like I was become like the lizard from Marvel Comics. Um, I think it's that machine where you put your elbow in and do the lifts, you know, for the bicep. But uh, I was itching my skin like crazy during uh, – well, I won't say who because I don't want them associated with rough skin with one of our guests <laughs> here in the near future here. <laughs> but my left – my right elbow was getting ashy and coming up getting red and irritated. Anyway, I used some of the promotional cookie dough body oil from Bohemian Dream Gifts that they gave us, and my skin – I'm not kidding. Came back. I can vouch for that one. The cookie dough oil baby body oil. The cookie dough body oil brought my skin back to life like an evanescent song. I'm not kidding. My skin is smooth and happy again. 100%. You can buy cookie dough oil on Etsy at the Bohemian Dream Gifts shop. Check out the other stuff as well. But that's one that I, that I swear by now. <laughs> and as soon as my promotional one runs out, I'm going to order some myself. So go to
1: Etsy and visit the Bohemian Dream Gifts shop today.